0: Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. We're gonna read our passage first, then we'll uh, have a word of prayer. So if you would join with me and Mark. Very early in the morning, the chief priest with the elders, the teachers of the law and the whole Sanhedrin reached a decision. They bound Jesus, led him away and handed him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. Yes. It is as you say, Jesus replied. The chief priest accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of? But Jesus still made no reply, and Pilate was amazed. Pray with me. Our precious Heavenly Father, your word is such a treasure trove for us to teach us. Lord, we ask that you would open our minds and hearts as we prepare to study your word. Lord, as we look forward to this Easter season, just about a month away now, we ask that you would just uh, remind us of the great sacrifice on Jesus' behalf, the great gift that has been offered to us, and that we who have embraced it would embrace it anew and tighter those who do not know you yet as Savior, that they would hear that still, small voice within calling them to a relationship, that they would respond. Father, we have many in our congregation. We have some facing uh, serious surgeries. We pray for you to go ahead and prepare the way, prepare the doctors, that it would go well. There would be healing and quick recuperation. Lord, we have some of our loved ones who have lost a member of the family, and we lift up that family. And Lord, there are other needs in our congregation here. You know each one. We unite our prayers together, lifting each other up, asking you to do according to your great wisdom in each life. And then, Father, finally, help us to be good stewards of Your Word, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ to our community. And it is in His name we pray. Amen. Last week, we started our series, Against All Odds, and we talked about are the Odds. And there were 24 prophecies about Jesus in that passage of about 24 verses that we read. And we brought out the acknowledgement that every one of those prophecies was answered 100%, because the one who prophesied was Almighty God Himself through the prophet Isaiah in this case. And of course, God sees everything from the beginning of our time and before to. Whatever eternity is, God sees it all laid out before him. And so he led Isaiah to make those prophecies and other prophets in our Bible. And we saw how they were each answered in each and every situation. And we also talked about how it was against the odds that he would love us when we, though we won't, Admit it to those even closest to us. We know the darkness that resides within those areas that we just don't let go and give to God. Those times we don't trust. And in spite of all that, He loved us against all odds and did what He needed to do so that we could have a relationship with Him. What are the odds that He would want someone like me or someone like you? They're very good. That's a place you can get good odds. Today we're focusing out of Isaiah. It's our scripture for today. Verse seven that says, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet He did not open His mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, and like a sheep silent before her shearers, He did not open His mouth. And then we, we read in our passage in Mark 15, Verse 5, But Jesus still made no reply, even as Pilate pressed Him for an answer. Jesus had been unjustly arrested in the garden when He's praying to His Father, had a few of His disciples right close and the rest nearby. Pouring out His heart, He knew what was coming. And it's there in the garden that Jesus uttered those words If it's possible, let this cup pass from me, but yet not my will be done, but Your will. Jesus giving us that example of setting His will above our own because we trust our God, we know our God, that He will only do good. It may be hard getting to the good, but good's gonna come from God's work. And so Jesus was arrested and he actually went through six different trials in that time period from that moment of arrest up until later in the day when he was convicted. The first one occurred about 2 a.m. when they took him from the garden. They, they took him to see Annas. Annas was the former high priest, the former head of the Sanhedrin. He had been deposed by the Romans and they had put his son-in-law Caiaphas in place, but Annas still had plenty of uh, sway in the community and the legal system and the Judaic system, and so they brought Jesus to him, and he questioned Jesus some, and then he decided there was place to charge him. They charged him with blasphemy—the Son of God blaspheming God— one of the most ridiculous accusations there could be. But of course, they didn't accept Him as Messiah, and so when He made Himself akin to the Father, they saw that as blasphemy. And it, it comes from their ignorance of what was true, their refusal to accept Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And so they were in error all along the way, and they made a final error in their assumption that he had committed blasphemy. But Annas, of course, and, and the Judaic leaders did not want Jesus to succeed. They, he had come against their pattern of faith, the oppression they had done on the people, the, all the rules, the legalism, the haughtiness of their position. So they didn't like Jesus. So that was part of it. They weren't acting from integrity or honesty. They wanted him out of the way, so they accused him of blasphemy. They had to make up something. So then he goes to Caiaphas about 2.30 in the morning. Caiaphas, the head of the Sanhedrin, head of the priest, and he makes a determination along with his bent, along with his desires, and sends Jesus on to the Romans and saying this man is preaching insurrection against the Roman Empire, which of course Jesus had not done. Jesus wasn't concerned really with the Roman Empire. He was concerned with the kingdom of God in people's hearts. And that put him at odds with the people because they wanted, they wanted a champion to come in and drive out the Romans and, and let the Jews rule their, company, their country on their own, and he didn't do that. So on that side, he had people angry with him, and then he had these people accusing him of turning over the Roman government, which was not true. Both of these trials occurring at 2 and 2.30 in the morning were illegal trials. We're not supposed to do these in the dead of night. They were done in secret. He had no one to defend him. And, as we have read, he did not open his mouth in defense. So then he goes on to Pilate. Pilate had wanted to meet him. Pilate asked him, as we read in here, he he said, these are the charges against you. What do you have to say? And Jesus didn't say anything. And it'd be helpful here if maybe you've been in that situation or if you can imagine that you're just sitting at home or maybe you're at the park with your family. All of a sudden, cars, police cars drive up and they come, they grab you, they put you in handcuffs and they take you away to the station. No one can say anything. They start leveling false charges at you. Charges that are mocked up, made up. What would be your reaction I know I wouldn't sit silent. I'd be screaming as much as I could about I'm innocent. I'd, these are lies. I'd be asking for an attorney. I'd be doing everything I could. They'd have to shut me up. But Jesus didn't. Jesus remained silent. Even as He went before Herod, and then as He went before Pilate again, And he got that extra sentence. And Pilate said, I see no uh, illegal activity in this man. I see nothing he has done wrong against the Roman Empire. What do you want me to do with him, he says. The the crowd cries out, crucify him and give us Barabbas. The people had been stoked to an anger. Jesus had been through a kangaroo trial, a, a false accusations he had been Uh, he had been held in prison as a prisoner during this time he had been beaten Uh, he had suffered all of this yet he was innocent and he said nothing to his defense and in this case we've seen it other times but in this case the Heavenly Father is silent we don't hear a voice from heaven we don't see A wind come and smite all the evildoers. Jesus is left to proceed through this process that's going on. So the question comes, why would he remain silent? That's not a typical human reaction. Most of us, just the injustice of being falsely accused, would make us stand up and say, no, 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 that's not right. That's not what I did. It's not what I said. And Jesus certainly had the ability, had the, the power as the Son of God to just speak and smite His accusers. He had the knowledge and the wisdom to be able to make an argument for His innocence that they could not refute, that would not stand. Jesus could have spoken and all these charges would have fallen by the wayside. But He didn't. He didn't because He was innocent. He didn't because proving your innocence is not in the plan that He wanted. You see, if Jesus had not remained silent, if Jesus had spoken up, if one, if He had spoken and smited His accusers, or if He had spoken in knowledge and wisdom, and make them back down from their charges, he would not have been killed on our behalf. He would not have taken our sins upon himself to the cross. He needed to remain silent so that we could experience salvation. Had he stopped that, we'd have been back in the same boat. We'd have been responsible for our own wrong actions. For our sins, we would have had to try to be righteous, to be perfect, and we would have been doomed because we are unable to be absolutely perfect according to the standard of Almighty God. So if Jesus had not remained silent, if He had come to His defense, if He had stopped the actions against Him, it would have doomed us. But Jesus loved us so much that even though He knew what was coming and there in the garden He prayed, could this cup pass from me? Nevertheless, Father, not my will, not protecting my human self, not keeping me from the pain, not keeping me from the abuse, the torture, the rejection of my people, but your will be done. And the Father's will, as Peter said in his book, Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all might come to eternal life. God desires for each and every person to be in a full, abundant, complete, peaceful relationship with Him. And He is doing what is necessary. He has done what is necessary for you to enter into that relationship. He says, you have but to admit your sin nature. You have but to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And then you have but to commit your life to Him, to live according. It's It's a process that is Easy enough for a a child to understand. But it's deep enough to suffice, to be sufficient. It's deep enough that we spend the rest of our time here on earth trying to delve into God's Word to understand it deeper and better. And as we study it, more and more riches, nuggets of truth come out, and wisdom. As we experience new things during our day, new enlightenment is gained through His Scripture. So Jesus remained silent. He didn't defend Himself because He was innocent. Because He would have been successful in getting set free. Because then we would have had to pay the price for our sins. Because we couldn't pay for our sins, we'd be doomed. And because He loved us enough, fulfilling that verse, greater love has no man than this, that He would lay down His life for His friends. And we sang that song earlier, what a friend I have in Jesus. So He loved us enough to give his life for us. And as God, he rose again. He showed himself for a while. And then he ascended to the right hand of the throne, interceding on our behalf, on your behalf, drawing you through the Holy Spirit to accept him, to walk with him. It doesn't end as we become Christians. Afterwards, he continues to speak to us. On Tuesdays, we have a good number of, Women studying the Book of Esther, and and in that book we are learning how God just moves events of history, that He places His people in key places, key situations, so that they can make a difference. Jesus was silent so that we could have salvation but we are not to be silent. He has told us to go and tell. He has told us to go throughout the world and we do that in various ways. We, sometimes some of our people are sent out. Other ways, we support missionaries from all over our country who go to share the good news. We tell each other around us. We are not to be silent, though he was silent. Because we have been given the blessing of being his ambassadors on earth. And that's that verse at the bottom of your bulletin. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, we represent him. So, we're going to go into our time of response. We're going to end a little bit differently today. We'll have our hymn of response The Savior is waiting, He is waiting. He stands at the door and knocks, waiting to see who will open and let Him in. He wants to come into your heart. Let's stand as Mark comes and leads us. I'll be at the front if you're hearing that voice to accept Christ as your Savior, to acknowledge Him as Savior to others. Perhaps you've made that decision, but you've never publicly acknowledged it. We ask you to give you this opportunity